Here we go. Welcome back. You're listening to Only the Important Stuff. I'm your host, Jeff Heinrich. Uh, it is April 10th, date that this is coming out. So tomorrow, uh, to my to my guest who might want to check this out, we'll see. Uh, hope you all had a great Easter. Uh, shout out to my mom. Happy birthday, mother. It was her birthday yesterday. Um, as I continue kind of down memory lane, Super excited to welcome, I think you know, probably the man who was responsible for so many of my core memories while at Augustana. Uh, he is my brother's quote unquote business partner, but I call you his boss. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Augustana Hall of Famer, Mr. Jay Kirsch. How you doing, brother? Good, Hein. How are you, man? Uh, living the dream, living the dream. Um, yeah, I. I'll be honest, like that whole you and my brother connecting situation still blows me away and it's just fucking wild, right? So like how the hell did, I've heard it from him, but how the hell did you two like meet? (laughs) Because when he told me he knew you, I was like, what? (laughs) So it was like a long story short, uh, it's like I had a neighbor guy that was also a Augie football guy older than me was playing uh fall softball he's yeah. like hey you want to come out and drink some brews with some cops and uh you know swing the sticks and i'm like oh yeah man it's always good to know some cops and uh and i get to the field and there's a couple of young guys that are augie football players because one of the guys on the team his son was playing and they're talking and getting to know some of these young guys and enjoying the scene and and so i meet this guy and he's like oh yeah it's justin heinrich and i'm like heinrich i'm like where are you from heinrich he's like fairmont i'm like wait wait hold on a second man (laughs) like he doesn't have that deep barry white you know uh uh bass to his voice so i'm like wait uh, like jeff's your brother and he's like oh yeah man yeah yeah i'm like whoa what a fucking small world man isn't it isn't that just full circle and and it really led to another you know bizarre thing because i got to know your brother uh, through that, and he, uh, you know, he's looking to get out of his job and looking to get into med sales, which I was in, and yeah, like, uh, I just told him, hey, anytime you have something that comes up, give me a call, man. I'll, I'll always talk you through it, and uh, you know, I'll tell you if it's good, bad, or what the opportunities are. And so over the course of a, well, a year plus, maybe two, he'd call me and check in, and then one day I'd, I'd taken a job with Smith nephew, and he called, and he's like. Yeah, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, hey, I got a better idea. They kind of give me a green light to hire a guy, and I'm like, I need a guy. And five years later, here we are, man. Still working together. You haven't <laughs> yeah. gotten tired of his dumb ass yet, huh? <laughs> oh, man, I need him to take care of all that technology stuff, man. He's like, <laughs> we've got a great we've got a great balance. That's good. Well. That's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Man. Uh, little background about Jay. So, from my perspective, we'll get into your background, but from my perspective, uh, first met you on my recruiting trip, partied at your house, uh, <laughs> and I think you were probably dating the only attractive girl at Augie at the time, and so I naturally assumed all the girls at Augie were attractive uh, and probably helped convince me to go there, so good on you for, for <laughs> touting that around in front of our dumb you know, 17-year-old asses. Um, you took our class. I would say kind of like under your wing uh, and showed us what a good time looks like. 
and <laughs> you helped orchestrate the Augie Olympics. You ensured the pitching staff knew what conditioning was. Um, but lastly, most importantly, you know, from a learning perspective, he was a fucking bulldog on the bump. And, you know, I think showed a lot of us young bucks, like really the mentality that it takes to succeed at a higher level. Um, so yeah, man, like what was when you're, when you're, you know, the senior, when we all roll in, right. Like in, or at you were a junior when we were all coming through, like what's going through your mind? Like, did you feel like a, a necessary to be involved in those or it was just like everybody knew you were the guy to go hang out with so like they just brought us all to you <laughs> so uh, my thing was unique because you know i ended up at augie uh coming out of lakeville minnesota and i wasn't recruited by augie okay so i i was recruited by everyone else, everyone else in the midwest <laughs> to go play baseball but you know at that time it was like hey you can go to mankato and get 250 bucks for the year to play sure. baseball and so my family was from uh, Sioux Falls, so I was a walk-on. In okay. fact, all this crazy stuff. But where it was fun for me is I walked on, and there was guys that were seniors when I was a uh, freshman, uh, Brian Bodner, uh, Matt Plumhoff, Troy Steen, uh, Ryan Hansen, these older guys. And, mm -hmm. and actually, uh, uh, unfortunately, Matt Plumhoff was from Welcome, Minnesota, passed away yeah. here about six months ago. But those guys, when I came on board, man, it didn't matter that I was a freshman. Like, they, they, they brought me in. And Brian Bodner, like, like the slider that I threw 80% of the pitches, that, he taught me that, man. Like, so I had such a great um, experience as a freshman sure. uh, interacting with the older guys. And yeah. I saw how beneficial it was for me that I knew, like, when I got to that point, my, my job was to get the best people to school and show them like, Hey man, this is, there's multiple facets to this thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and create that so that when your group came back through, when you guys were seniors, you do the same thing for the younger guys because it creates that brotherhood, you know, and it builds that base that really what Augie baseball is today. That started with the guys that were seniors when I was a freshman, because they treated me like, you know, like a, a brother for and sure. my whole point was to get those guys, and all of us had the same mentality, man. It wasn't like, hey, th these young guys, I knew you younger guys were physically better than I'd ever be, uh, which is great. Like, that's the whole goal is to surround yourself yeah. with people better than you. Um, so, yeah, when I got to see these young guys coming in from all over, man, it was it was mind-boggling. Like, none of you had any business going to Augie, but – good for me for tricking your dumb asses into coming so how many so well i so i've i've kind of like been going through this how many of us did you end up meet because like andy wasn't even recruited which i learned and like blew my mind he essentially met uh pierchinski yeah at Dave. some fucking athletic training facility and he was like yeah he you should go it. check it out and yeah, yeah. mccabe just kind of like gave him money <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I guess I'll go here. Um, yeah. But how many of us did you like meet through oh. potentially that process? So <laughs> obviously you, I met uh, the Hollies. Um, Ted, I'm assuming Teddy. Ted, I met. Uh, they kept Allard and uh, Grubner. Grubner. Grubner away from me. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> It was a very select crew that got to yeah. hang out with. Uh, <laughs> right. 
Yeah, but the, and oh, and we had a guy from New York that Benny brought in that was a Dominican guy who just threw cheese, mm-hmm. but uh, couldn't pass his ACT. So, <laughs> yeah, I, we had a little deeper on the pitching staff with a six-five guy that threw cheddar. We, uh, yeah, Augie wasn't uh, a power, so they didn't have that pull in the academic department. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to just to let people in. <laughs> No, no, you weren't bad. getting in with uh, anything <laughs> sub twenty, probably more likely. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So you like again? So you brought us all like around or showed us a good time when we were there. But then, like, we show up and, um, you know, it's we were kind of like the fir- our McCabe's quote yep. unquote first recruiting class. And we felt pressure because we had been told that, right? Um, but what was it like for you as like an upperclassman, like knowing here's this new coach, this is his opportunity to put a stamp on his team? What's going through your head and or some of the other guys' heads, if you if you were aware, kind of as like we all show up? Because- oh, I knew that a lot of guys were fucked. Like that's what I knew. I knew there was a lot of dudes that weren't going to be playing anymore, right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. You know, scenario uh you know with McCabe who you know whatever he, he was he was four years maybe four years older than me at that time yeah he was young you know? so him and I were we coexisted uh Dave Prochinsky <laughs> yep. was the pitching coach so Dave and I actually became really good friends worked together at that innovative sports in Edina uh did some camps together I, I still talk to him fairly regularly you know through through the book face and some of those things. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw all these guys come in and, you know, there's so many things that stick in my head about the level of talent. And one, I was just thinking about the other day, cause it's like, Hey, I got this deal with Hein coming up and I'm like going through some of these memories. And it was, uh, I think our first game was at the Metrodome. My senior year, we played Northern and Ross Holly was playing short and their leadoff guy was, I mean, he played, some form of minor league ball. I don't, it wasn't affiliated, but the guy was fast as hell. And he had a ball in the hole that Ross dove, snow coned picks it up and throws the guy out by two steps. And I, I remember coming off the field and I looked in the cave and I'm like, man, this is fucking real. Like <laughs> <laughs> this guy just hosed the dude that runs, you know, a six, six, sixty sub and he can fly. And Ross made it look elementary. And I'm like, all right, these guys are going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember the first time like hearing Ross throw. Um, and, and look, like I think Ryan was a better pitcher than Ross was, but Ross just had that action, and from any angle, right? Like you, you're just mentioning like him at short, right? Like he he threw 95 across the infield, right, with with fucking ease. And on yeah. that first day, just hearing that ball. And, and then just kind of like looking around and see, you know, Ted's throwing a fucking heavy ball, right? Like just these mitts are fucking popping. And I was just like, all right, say no joke, right? Like it's time to yeah. like step up and show out or you're going to be riding the fucking pine and getting blisters in your ass. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, was, it was evident very early um, from my standpoint. And like I said, it's, uh, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> I, thank God you guys were somewhat inexperienced or, you know, my <laughs> ass would have been sitting there filling non-conference innings and that would have been, that would have been horrible. Oh, fuck, man. Like, I remember getting there and, uh, you know, kind of like going through what a collegiate practice was like 
and starting to learn baseball, right? And I'm, I know Ted was probably in the same in the same boat coming from fucking, you know, Tracy Milroy, right? Middle of fucking yeah. nowhere, just like I was. We didn't have any, like, base, great baseball minds to teach us. And just feeling, like, super overwhelmed at times. Like, man, can't give up an 0-2 hit. 3-1's a dangerous pitch. It, where in the past, it was like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to throw it hard. They're not going to fucking hit it. And then all these things like start going through your head. Did was that like was it like that for you when you came in coming from high school, or did you have like some base knowledge yeah, I mean, of the fucking game? <laughs> well, I came in, uh, you know, from Lakeville. My pitching coach was a guy that played some ball, and so I had been, you know, around that. And I wasn't a pitcher, man. Like I pitched because I could. Yeah, but I was a I was a first baseman outfielder that could swing it. You know, I come to Augie, and they've got Matt Plumhoff, and you know, from Welcome, Minnesota, who's six five three Hondo and drops bombs, and they're like, uh, "Well, you're probably not playing first base, brother." Like, what else can you do for us? I'm like, well, "I can pitch." Like, and that's what like they throw me out there, like, and it just happened to be that those older guys, man, like I, I was too dumb to even know any different. You know, I had a catcher, yeah. Dan Conrad, who's a Hall of Famer at Augie. Uh, Dan Conrad, if he could run at all, would have played affiliated ball. The guy was legit. Yeah. Um, and so I was surrounded by such great guys that, again, it comes back to that experience that I had. Like, I was like, man, when I get a chance to get some quality young guys in, like, how the hell do I help those guys sure. feel like I felt? Sure. And make it a good experience, give them, you know, knowledge, but not like, hey, it's, this is the best and this is, you know, and cramming it down people. So it's like, Hey, let's have a good time. Cause that's what we're here for is to get an education, have a good time. But, uh, how do we get better? And, uh, fucking like education. I, I think I both out of like the least amount of physical ability. You know, I was athletic, but I wasn't, I couldn't throw hard. <laughs> I, so, you know, it's just that bulldog mentality. And for sure. Some guys picked up on it right away and other guys, you know, didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think like coming in as a freshman, like from high school, right? Like, cause when you're a freshman in high school, you know, you're fucking nobody. Uh, even if you're good athletically, right? Like you're just, you're not part of the team. Um, and like getting to Augie and I, for me, it was a super cool experience. Like feeling like, yeah, like we're all a family. It didn't matter that you were a senior. You know what I mean? Uh, you you treated us like we were some of your best friends. And we, fuck, I mean, we hung out with you on like Friday, Saturday night. <laughs> Obviously, like you could buy beer. We could not, which was awesome uh, when you weren't at a bar. So we, we appreciated that. But like we felt a part of it as opposed to, well, the seniors are going to do their thing and the freshmen are, you know, over here doing, you know, fuck all and whatever, right? Getting into trouble. Like we were just adopted, and then you know, I just I just think of like you, Sevi, Omi, Sebo, right? Like everybody was just like, and Wilbur, you know, super cool, super accepting, and that was such a fucking awesome experience, and that was exactly what I wanted out of a baseball team, um, and and why I went there, you know, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, like Mankato State, right? I, I got the same kind of bullshit offer, yeah, five hundred bucks, come, you know throw BP for two years, then maybe you'll get a shot and, you know, all that bullshit. And, you know, St. Cloud state was whatever, you know, so it's, it was, it was awesome. And I, as you mentioned, like going back, like those, 
your seniors, you know, that helped. We take pride in the fact that I know I do, I'm sure you do as well, where the program is now and how it just totally transformed what was essentially a bit of a laughing stock for a while to now, you know, they're a fucking threat every year, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's another bulldog, man. There's a, that's a guy, you know, Tim Huber leading that group that yeah. I played against in college. Tim was, Tim still is a bulldog, man. He has enough beers. He might fist fight you over a baseball <laughs> argument right now. Like he's a tough bastard, man. And he's old school, but you know, the names you named off, like the Wilbers, the Omis, the Sevs, you know, uh, uh you know, those, those guys, the one thing they all in common, Sebo kind of being the outlier there is all bulldogs that weren't that physically gifted. I mean, no offense to any of those guys. I don't think I'm telling them anything they don't already know. Like Derek Omi, myself, Sevy, you know, we're all athletic. Yeah. We play bass. We do a lot of things, you know, but more or less we were successful because we were bulldogs. Yeah, uh, Steve-O was successful because he was a freak. Yeah, he was a fucking freak. <laughs> I mean, that guy was a piece. He's still a piece of work, man. He <laughs> throws a football like seventy yards, like it's nothing to this day. God, well, it wasn't like the uh, like a like Pudge Rodriguez's pop time was like I don't know. I'm just gonna throw out a number like one eight, and Sebo's was one six. It's it was Something absolutely insane. astonishing. Yeah, like I never – when he graduated, I got stolen all the fucking time. <laughs> and and I didn't pick my leg up from the stretch. And I didn't realize like how fucking nice that was that no one fucking ran on that guy ever. If, if he could have hit better, he was legit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was it. Like I remember uh, I was working at, again, that Innovative Sports in Edina, and the guy that owned it did some scouting for the Twins and – like Sebo was like a top five rated defensive catcher because of his physicality. I mean, that guy could do a three sixty dunk, like taking two steps. Like he was, yeah. I mean, just a specimen. And to this day, still, I I see him probably every six months, and the dude is literally the same. I, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. So, what was so just backing up, right? Like you said, you weren't recruited by Augie necessarily, but. What was no. recruiting? <laughs> what was recruiting like for you back uh, way? Yeah, yeah. I, I consider yeah. us same age way back then. Yeah, so ninety five, like you know, I was playing basketball, baseball, and football. Uh, baseball was kind of an afterthought. I was I was good at it, like I liked mm-hmm. it. So you know, I went on, I went and visited Iowa State. You know, I did some of those other things. I went down. I uh, saw Grandview, which at that time was a powerhouse in baseball. Um, you know, and I went on, went to South Dakota State, like some of these, you know, more regional schools that were recruiting me. And that was basically, you, they'd see you at a tournament and they'd send you a letter, man. There wasn't yeah. even an email. And uh, so the Augie thing just kind of fell in my lap because uh, I actually went and watched them get piss pounded by Mankato. They lost like 21 to 3 in Mankato and I was like you know I'm pretty sure I could go there and play right away (laughs) (laughs) so that was kind of my mindset you know my grandparents all all my all my you know surrounding family lived in Sioux Falls I'm like fucking I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to Augie Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna play baseball like it was to the point where I showed up on campus in the fall and stopped by to see Scott Timmer who was the coach 
in his office, and they're like, ah, oh, he's outside the baseball field. And he was watering home plate, and I went up and introduced myself, and I'm like, hey, uh, Coach Cameron. At that time, I was Jason Kirsch, by the way. Sure. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, Jason Kirsch, like, uh, on a trial for the baseball team, he's like, spits his big chaw on the ground, and he's like, well, practice is going to start next week and show up, see if you make the team. And I remember thinking, you got to be fucking kidding me. I watched this team just get roped six months ago by, yeah. you know, and they're horrible. Like, but he had no idea who I was. Like, absolutely no idea. That's crazy. Yeah. So I look at it now and I'm like, yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a, a good career, uh, you know, get into the Augie Hall of Fame. And the girls and I were just talking about it. And they're like, you think you're the only, like, non recruited person? in that hall of fame. I'm like, that's a valid question. Like For how many sure. people, you know, there's probably walk-ons, but how many of them like didn't even like show up at campus and don't know who the fuck they were. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> so that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, what, what I'm finding like more and more interesting and in, like talking to people, like, especially Andy, essentially not being recruited. Ross yep. and Ryan was just like, uh, this random circumstance that brought them to South Dakota. Otherwise they would have never been there. Uh, I wouldn't have gone there had fucking Jake TG not have been there already. <laughs> yeah, Teej. You know what I mean? He essentially yeah, told yeah. McCabe about me and McCabe was like, he walked, he showed up at one, one game and it was like one of the best games I'd ever played. And he was like, yeah, you're in right. Like you can come play. I was like, okay. You know, him and Borgie give me this offer. I'm like, fuck. All right, let's go. Right. Um, but like so many of us were so randomly, we randomly got there. Yeah. But it was, it had just turned into this awesome experience and I'm so thankful for it. And it's hilarious to hear yours as well. Just you're walking up and <laughs> you essentially recruited yourself there. Right. I, I yeah, and I, and I picked up a new name along the way, man. Like, every I have from Augie says Jay. Like, well, yeah, how did you go from Jason to Jay? <laughs> so, uh, by the time you guys showed up, Jason Miller wasn't at school anymore. So, Jason Miller was playing for us. Um, local Super Bowls kid, absolute beast. And it was just school wasn't his thing. Like, mm -hmm. Jason Miller's still playing amateur baseball, and he looks like he's 25 years old. The guy's a dude. Jeez. And uh, so we were in the dugout, and every time the coach would yell at him because he's the scholarship guy, he's the local guy, coach knows and be like, hey, Jason, we both look. And then one day he comes walking down, he pokes me in the chest. He's like, you're, you're Jay from now on. <laughs> so literally everything, even my diploma from Augie says Jay Kirsch. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, everything. That's like, crazy. Yeah, they just like they just decided to wipe out Jason. Like that's the running joke with my buddies from back home. They're like, "Man, it's two distinctly different people. You got Jason, and you got Jay." Because <laughs> what was funny is that, like, as I was going through this, I'm like, "Do I introduce him as Jason or Jay?" And then I was like, "I'm actually not 100 percent sure if his name <laughs> is Jason <laughs> or not." And then you sent me the email, and I was like, "Shit, I guess it is." All right, uh, <laughs> I always yeah. thought it was J A Y. <laughs> yeah it's yeah i can thank uh, jason miller for that which i still talk that's the other great thing about this uh jeff is like all these guys like you know it's a great thing about being a dude right and having these experiences over the years is time can pass but you still keep in touch with these guys one way or another yeah uh, 
you know, because Miller and Eric Severson and Garrett Gross were, you know, guys my age. Mm-hmm. So all those guys are still around in Sioux Falls. I talk to those guys on a regular basis. We're in a text message chain. I talk to Sebo. You know, I see Sebo every six months. You know, I see Omi. I see those guys around town. Yeah. It's just one of those things that kind of, it sticks with you. And uh, it just doesn't go away. Like For sure. That's great about it. For sure. Like, it's one of the things, like, whenever I get back there to, like, visit my brother and I'll run into you, you know, because you guys are obviously, like, close now or closer. You work together and all this shit. Um, And I'll run it. Maybe I'll run into Sevy or I'll text Omi or whatever, right? Like, I I miss that, like, having that ability to run into each other. Um, You know, because up here, it's, you know, I know Andy's up here, Dunleavy's up here, but we just, you know, the other side of the cities is so fucking far away. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Andy's down by where you grew up and I'm up, you know, the opposite corner. And so it's just, it's work to, to figure it out. Um, and so I miss that. I'm always, I'm jealous of that, you know, that you guys are kind of still in that area and can still kind of run into each other. Cause even though it's, you know, 200, 250,000 people, whatever it might be, these days it still has this like super small town feel um and this community and again like obviously like we all formed a brotherhood and like all these shared experiences that we bonded over that we can instantly like call back to is super fucking awesome um and that's been the best part of doing this like i talked to mitch last week um caught up with fucking hunt two weeks ago that was a fun conversation (laughs) um even though we are the exact opposite ends of the spectrum, but you know, yeah, but that was the case. You knew that was the case when you, oh. you know, at school, you know. Oh, for sure. For Man, sure. I used to take, I used to take a weird, perverse pleasure in fucking sticking it to Brian Hunt in the cage. Man. <laughs> a fucking guy, like, because he came from Nebraska, and everyone, like, everyone just was all on his shit. Like Brian Hunt, and no offense to Brian, he was a great player. But I owned his ass, <laughs> absolutely owned him, and I took a perverse pleasure. And I don't know if it was because he was a good guy, and I was just that kind of dickhead. <laughs> but I loved it, man. And and he was, man. He was a good dude, and he was a great player. But he's lucky he didn't have to face me on a daily basis because I took it personal. Oh God! So you remember the old uh, the old Augie? What was it? It, it? I guess it was like a Facebook the phone directory that came out with all the students. Well, so we had the printed book. Yeah. The book. Correct. What was it yeah. called? The buzz book. The buzz book. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I remember being a freshman, being at your house, <laughs> we're just getting fucking hammered. And he, yeah. he has showed up on campus. We know that we know his number and Ross <laughs> and Brian and everybody's like, yeah, call him. Um, but call him Mike. And so I called him, and I'm just like, yeah, is Mike there? <laughs> Ooh, Mike, Mike Hunt? <laughs> and he's like, and then I meet him two days later, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. I didn't even know he was on the team. <laughs> Dude, that buzz book, those, we got hours of entertainment calling people on those things, man. It was horrible. Oh, oh fuck. And then, like, one time, uh, Ross and Ryan, like, got me to prank call Perry Ford. <laughs> <laughs> oh man he cussed me out and i'm like fuck you perry 
so stupid. So stupid. So but that was Augie, man. Augie was his own little world. Like the shit that we got away with. Uh, I think now that I probably would have like a rap sheet. Oh, like for sure. Driving across campus, whipping donuts, uh, knocking down telephone pole or light poles, <laughs> uh, stealing pizzas. Like yep. we had, a, we had like pizza stealing down to a science, man. Yeah. We'd order pizzas. And when they'd come to deliver them, we'd steal them out of their car. And then when they started locking their doors, we started cheating. You have people out there acting like they're breaking into the cars. They'd leave the pizzas on the desk to chase people. We'd take those pizzas. Like, I mean, it was like, it was a free-for-all. Or, you know, like Andy Selma lacing a cop with an ice ball coming out of the whorehouse one night. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, how thankful are you cell phones didn't exist? Oh man, like it's uh, in my world, like it's fantastic because it turns out I was shady at best. I was a very gray uh, lifestyle at Augie. <laughs> For sure. Well, and I, you know, not that we were bad kids. I just think like our generation was like so used to not having to worry about that that we probably did a lot of really dumb things that the kids nowadays if they even thought about doing it, their first reaction is somebody will record this. Oh, dude, there would be so many naked pictures of me around from walking <laughs> parties or what I, but you know, the good thing about those pictures now, like I, I was thin, I had a full, I had a mane, just a full head of hair. Like I would have, I would, I would keep those. I wish someone would have taken pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'd be framed and on in your, like in your house, like, Hey guys, that's what dad yeah. used to be. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, was the, uh, did you, did, the Augie Olympics? Yep. Um, was that like your invention or did you go through it? No, I did not go. <laughs> okay. That was something uh, the year before you guys, I think, because Wilbur won it, I think. Okay. The year before. Even though Wilbur's got that Del Rapids redshirt year where I think he's two years younger than me, but he's like the same age as me. Yeah. He redshirted in high school or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, as he tells, did, as he will say, that. he took a year off to wash, uh, wash windows on cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but we did we put that together and it was like a thing of hey how do we get all these because we had a, like that group with Wilbur and uh, Van Gilder uh, my my little brother mm-hmm. like it was it was a different group of guys that were kind of like how do we bring these guys together and we're like well we're gonna do these drinking Olympics at the house and we're gonna have a good time and then some asshole came up with the idea of running across campus naked yeah, uh, which turned into like that first one was spectacular, man. When they ran between the two freshman dorms, there was fucking people hanging out of windows screaming. Yep. And uh, I mean, obviously, you couldn't get away with that shit now. No, but no, it was it was it was nothing mean spirited. Like we weren't. It was just like funny. Like it was nothing that the rest of us wouldn't no. have done. And I that T-shirt still lives on, man. The original T-shirt, they still have that motherfucker, and they're using it. Like that's twenty, uh, what twenty-seven years, twenty-six years old, man. It's fuck. That's fucking awesome. That is <laughs> yeah. awesome. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember that day for us. I remember we started at like 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
obviously copious amounts of alcohol were consumed. Um, I do remember Grubner and Allard going through it, but they were drinking milk. Yes. Which yeah. was a fucking nightmare for them. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> like we went to, we had been, we went and ate at the commons and like Ross or Ryan, one of the two drank a bunch of orange Fanta when we were there and in Sevy's front yard. I mean, he just, he painted his lawn orange because <laughs> he threw up so much before the fucking run. Um, and then we go and we do the run and we were in your truck. I believe you had this like <laughs> little Mazda. Yeah. That there. little Mazda. And like one of us almost fell out. <laughs> I don't remember if it was me or if it was Ryan, but we almost fell out and you had to like stop and like put us back in the fucking truck. <laughs> and yeah. You dropped us off at the Elman center. We had to run back. And I mean, dude, yeah, the people that were lining that sidewalk and the, like going through like uh, even the upperclassmen dorms, it was a fucking wild ride. What a wild <laughs> ride! <clears throat> Good on you for inventing that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude, it was fucking awesome. Like again, like as a potentially embarrassing as it could be, right? I mean, dude, everybody's just fucking having fun, and you know, it's stupid dumb shit but it just brings you together and it's like one of those experiences that it, you know you can't create without doing something like that you know what i mean i agree, I agree. Um, and it wasn't like malicious no not like that, fraternity hazing never. you know yeah. what i mean it was just like good fun and like you didn't have to drink obviously two people were drinking milk <laughs> The rest of us just chose to drink alcohol. Um, yeah, it was fucking awesome. It was awesome. Um, so what were, like, what were some of your favorite memories, like, playing at Augie? You know, my things, you know, very little of it has to do with actually playing. It's more with the guys. But, you know, uh, I think my one, like, thing that stuck with me, like, actual playing-wise was, you know, I when we had Timmer as a coach – like, I showed up, like I said, had no idea who I was, but he threw me in right away because he knew I was kind of with the seniors, and they had developed a, a relationship with me. And so right away I got to go in, and we do that doubleheader, like South Dakota State at our place. Yeah. Two games the next day we'd go play them at their place. And I pitched in both the games on Saturday. Wow. So I closed both games. So, And they were, like, top 15 in the country. Yeah. And so that night I went out and got shit face. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I pitched two games, like no fucking way I'm coming back tomorrow. And yeah. so we went out and tore it up, taking the van back up to Brookings that next day, throwing up in the garbage can in the back. And <laughs> we get our asses pounded the first game. The second game, Coach Timmer's like, hey, uh, why don't you go down to the pen and get get your work in? So I'm just figuring it's like, hey, it's my bullpen, you know, I threw yeah. yesterday. And I'm like, all right, I'm down there, and I'm fucking around because I feel like shit. And he comes down, and he's like, you better get your ass in gear. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm going. He's like, you're starting this game. You got to get ready. <laughs> what? Like, dude, I don't remember anything about that game till the seventh inning because I was so hungover. I mean, so hungover. But we shut him out. And I remember the seventh inning, I – I call out to the mound, and I'm finally, finally coming to, and this little sawed-off asshole from South Dakota State comes out of the dugout. 
He looks at me and he's like, you're going to fucking choke, freshman. And he's like choking himself. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, whatever. Well, we end up winning the game. I think we turned five double plays that game, that game. But it was funny because later on, that guy that was choking himself telling me I was going to choke turned out to be my uh, pitching coach, Dave Perchinski. <laughs> so when he showed up at Augie, I'm like, how do I know this motherfucker? And I look at him finally, I'm like, hey, I know you. Like, you're the dude, and he just starts laughing his ass off. He's like, man, he's like, normal freshman would have choked under that. He's like, you got a pair. You got a pair, brother. Like, that's so that's hilarious. my, that's like my one baseball related, man. You know, then like the Ross Holly thing, like when you guys came in, things were different. Like the guys I grew up, like played with, like Garrett yeah. Gross could swing it. Jason, Mill- those guys were great baseball players, but for one reason or another, it wasn't like, it didn't click for us. Like it should have, and yeah. it was probably more to do with the coaching and the school and some of that stuff. But when you guys came in and, you know, you see, you know, uh, Ross Holly fucking throw a guy out from the hole in the dome and you're like, holy shit, or you see, you know, you guys throwing and like how heavy a ball you're throwing, seeing Ted's, you know, curveball that was, yeah, Burt Blylevin-esque yeah. at, at the beginning. It was baffling to me. And then, you know, even have, you know, Allard, who that guy is another guy, like him and Omi are similar guys, like the two biggest competitive assholes and just fight through shit. Yeah. And so, those are more my memories is like the guys, like who they were, like not necessarily, you know, in game experiences as much as like, just like you look back and you go, man, you know, some guys had opportunity to be better or man, some of these guys just got the most out of it. But at the end of the day, like an appreciation for each dude that we went to battle with, man, that's oh, kind of that thing. hundred percent. Like, and that's, you know, what's funny is like, that's, uh, that seems to be the theme. Right, uh, everybody's got a game or or two, yeah. right? That kind of like sticks out in their head. But everyone I've talked to, it's like, man, it's just it's those memories, right? And I, you know, I hope for that for my kids, right? Like as they get into it, because yeah, I, I mean, I honestly, I hardly remember anything about playing. It's all the stuff outside of it, the going on runs, but stopping at your house and <laughs> yeah. pretending we were gone for an hour and then just jogging back. Right. And like ourselves with water. Yeah. Shit like that. Like making it look like we worked hard. Um, and like the van rides and the fucking road trips and all that shit that like sticks with you, you know, as you, as you're older and like the, the bonds that you develop versus, Oh yeah, I remember this one, two pitch against so-and-so from fuck all and wherever. And, you know, yeah. it, it I, I just don't fucking care about that stuff because maybe because I never like went on to become this excellent player. I don't know, but like it was, that's the stuff that matters more than, yeah, I struck out the side once like, oh, man, who fucking cares? You know, like <laughs> I didn't get paid for it, so it doesn't matter, you know? Um, yeah. So what, what, I have like asked so many people about, and I'm interested in your perspective specifically. Um, is like you, so you have a daughter who's a Division One volleyball player, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, what your take on special specialization is, and like how early it needs to begin to kind of be successful in athletics nowadays. I mean, obviously, you're always going to have like the freak athletes who can do whatever the fuck they want, and show up whenever and don't have to put in a ton of work, but 
you know, it just seems like it's earlier and earlier and earlier now. Did you experience that with her and like your children or were they doing whatever? Uh, so I've got Bryn who's a freshman at KU, Mm -hmm. um, Taryn, who is a sophomore in high school. And then my youngest is a sixth grade. And the interesting thing is we've kind of, and I think this maybe comes from having some success in, in college. Uh, I've never pushed my kids, you know, like it was my, was my thing like, Hey, I'm going to support you. I'm, I'm going to chew your ass. If you're not doing the things you can control your effort and your attitude, that sort of thing. But yeah. my kids, played you know softball they played volleyball they uh, my middle one was in gymnastics till she got to be too tall uh, but they've all done multiple things and then they kind of made that decision on their own and you know in the world I'm you know your brother and I work in like you see the specialization and you see what that does to kids mm-hmm. uh, you know more injuries like I, when I went through high school man I don't remember anyone tearing their ACL yeah. I think we had one kid, and that was because he got hit with a helmet, you know, in the knee. Uh, you know, now you're seeing more meniscus injuries. You're seeing that sort of thing. I think there's there's definitely – it takes a toll. But the interesting thing I think you see more, especially in Minneapolis too, is it's the haves and the have-nots, man. It's the yeah. financial. Like, who's who's got the most money? Like, can you afford personal trainers? Can you sure. afford dietitians? Can you – I mean, that's the scary thing. Like, you start looking at this, you know, from our standpoint, like club volleyball, having two kids in, like, I stopped keeping track at 20 grand a year, you know, with travel <laughs> and, you know, all this into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, our family to go watch and, you know, for them to, you know, some of the private lessons that my kids don't do, hardly did any private lessons. Mm-hmm. But just to get into these clubs, a lot of times it's 2,500 bucks a kid. Yeah. So you're and into it for two kids just to go. And so, but unfortunately I think it's the success is ratio is there. The kids who get dialed in early, there's an advantage to it. And that's the unfortunate part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish I would have probably been more specialized a little bit earlier, just because it probably would have benefited me instead of playing three sports and being really average at all of them. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I was a six, two dude that could jump out of the gym. I just couldn't dribble a basketball or shoot, you know, Fuck, if sure. I would have spent some time ball handling and doing that. Maybe I could have played, you know, a two guard somewhere or something, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But it's definitely the reality. The, the scary thing for me is not necessarily the specialization though. It's the, the have and have nots. It's become a, who has money and who doesn't. Yeah. You, you said something interesting about, like, uh, more meniscus tears, more things like that, like, at a younger age. So you think there's, like, obviously it's not scientific, but potentially some correlation there for kids? I think it's strength versus, uh, you know, skeletal maturity. I think these kids are doing speed training. They're doing these things, and they're getting strong, and they're creating so much force, you know. It's sure. kind of like the baseball thing now with the – how the velo is becoming such a big thing where yep. these kids are throwing at such a high rate now and it's, they're jumping higher, they're running faster, they're doing things. Well, with those things comes the more likelihood of injury. For sure. For sure. Right? Like, could, so, you, could you imagine having trained with a heavy ball? No. Right? Like, 
I don't know what a baseball weighs, 16 ounces. Um, maybe that's too much, but like these kids are throwing 20, 24 ounce, 32 ounce baseballs. I, it just seems like a recipe for a fucking, I don't know what tendon that is, but to get Tommy John. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's more of a, that's more of a, uh, you know, a motion type deal is, you know, getting out ahead of it. So your elbows out and, and exposed. Um, but uh, there's some great stuff on that heavy ball where you're throwing it, but you don't release it because there's a bunch of papers on tennis players, not having the shoulder injuries that baseball guys do. And part of it is the deceleration of holding onto the racket through their swing. So there's a lot of crazy science that's kind of going into it. Um, you know, it'd be great to talk to a guy like Tim Huber about this because he's creating monsters, man. It's like they got a yeah. lab at Huggy, and they're taking these tall, thin dudes and creating beasts. And, you know, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but it's working. And a lot of it is just the science behind it now. Yeah, that's that shit fascinates me uh, with athletes nowadays, right? Um and it always it's that age-old discussion like how good could you have been with today's technology and so on and so forth um but just you know seeing guys get so much out of their bodies uh versus just raw talent you know like what would you have been able to do you know anybody anybody me whomever right like with that kind of like fine-tuning uh, I'm I'm super curious about that right like Ross throwing 95 with no fucking training, right? Like as a freshman. But, that you know, then there's that DNA thing too, man. Oh, like for sure. It, you know, and you see this across the board, like even in healthcare, like people who are alcoholics and their livers are perfectly fine after 40 years of being an alcoholic and other people, you know, have issues like genetics, you know, your DNA is just crazy. Mm-hmm. And, well, these people are just, you know, the Scott Sebos, the Ross Hollies of the world are born genetic freaks. They do shit that other people can't do. Yeah. And you can't. Yeah. They've got that, you know, those baked in fast twitch muscles or a little bit more flexibility with those ligaments that allow that arm to bend a little more. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's wild to see. Um, but I, yeah, it's something I always think about, right? Like you see that that dude from fucking Tennessee throwing 104, right? Yeah. Like how much of that is fucking just God-given talent versus, man, this motherfucker's been training for, you know, 10 years to do that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You never know, right? Um, But back to your daughter, right? Like what was her recruiting process like? Well, hers sucked because, <laughs> I mean, it hit COVID. So like, oh, you know. Oh, shit. So you got like 16, so like you're 16 spring, you're playing club volleyball, and then June 15th hits, and then they can start contacting you. Mm-hmm. So we, she literally played one tournament. It wasn't even was her team. Like they put together this hodgepodge team of 17-year-olds, and one of the 17-year-old girls that played her position decided she was going to prom instead of going to this tournament, the one tournament they had. So they asked Bryn to do it, and that film that Bryn made of the highlights from that literally catapulted her. So, like, we met with a recruiting coordinator from our club, and she's like, hey, when June 15th comes around, don't be disappointed if you don't hear from anybody. 
just because of the way this COVID thing and yeah. we no one got to see you. And then like at 12.01, dude, on the 15th, like it just past midnight, it was like bing, 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 bing. And wow. like that morning she wakes, we wake up early and she's like, dad, look at this. It's like, you know, it's Kansas. It's Iowa state. It's this, it's this, it's this, and this. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like that's crazy. Yeah. So we lived on zoom calls and this is another thing. Like for me, my kids, they're all bilingual. They're all intelligent. They did not get that from me. They got that from their mom. And, uh, but I put her in charge. Like, Hey, this is your process. You're going to schedule out all these zooms. You let me know when you need us. Yeah. You, you write everything out, have your questions, all these things that are important to you. So she literally like her recruiting process was her running the show. And, um, she did awesome, man. I'm like, you know, accountability brother. Did what, like what, uh, what advice did you give her going through that? I just said, find some place, find someone that, that wants you to play, find some place that is going to work for you. Um, and she had, like I said, a lot of opportunities and Kansas kept coming back, man. It was like, Hey, it's close, it's close enough to home. It's a little over five hours. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're constantly in the tournament, you know, they play in the big 12. So you're going to see Texas, you're getting to see, you know, all these crazy, you know, Baylor and, yeah. uh, yeah, we didn't get to visit her and I drove down to visit campus. We couldn't even like officially visit campus cause everything was shut down. That's wild. Yeah. So, so, she, so I mean, she hadn't met like her teammates before going. No, hadn't met anybody. Not in person. Everything over Zoom, essentially. So, uh, you know, it, and it would have been different. Maybe uh, it worked out. I mean, she's she's legit. Like, she's gonna be very legit, and it's because of her work ethic. She, the kids, are, she's an animal. That's awesome. Like, what what do you think? Did you think you had anything to do with that? Like. And instilling, like, what did you do to, like, get her to find that drive? Um, You know, I think it was just, again, always remind them, control what you can control. And she's, uh, you know, you watch that, uh, the thing on Jordan where they talk about how he made up shit to be pissed at people about. Like, there's a story about, like, Chuck Daly and him having dinner at the same restaurant and Chuck Daly didn't talk to him. Yeah. didn't say hi. And he used that as much, like, my daughter was one of those kids that for a couple, two, three years was on the B team in club. Mm-hmm. And she literally still has those bag tags from that, those years on her bag as motivation to be like, Hey, no one's ever going to tell me I'm not good enough. Like mm-hmm. the kid is crazy self-motivated. Like she takes everything personal. <laughs> so I, and, that, and that's not for me. Like that's not my style, but I think it was, kind of directing them like, Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself. Yeah. So you, if someone, if you feel like you're getting the shaft, you either go out and fucking do something to change it or you just go away, man. We yeah. evolve or we die. Right. Right. hundred percent. Are your other so, kids like that? Do you think? Oh yeah. 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 So you gotta they're, be doing something. I, <laughs> you know what man, I mean? <laughs> I get out of their way. Like <laughs> that's what I did. Like they they bust my balls like constantly. Like oh, here comes one of Dad's fucking deals. Like control what you control. You know your attitude, your effort, blah blah blah. But I think over time that that is set in. Like you're you're the you you're in control of your own destiny. So do they? So that was 
that's that's hilarious that you said that that way, right? The oh, here comes dad, like fucking, <laughs> yeah. you know, dude. It doesn't get better. Blah blah blah. Right? Because my kids do that all, you know, all the time now, right? Like, yeah. When I when my son has a moment and whatever it might be in, and all right, you know, what do you do? You know, what'd you do? And you know, we start talking about it, and he fucking rolls his eyes, and you know, uh, you know, <laughs> just trying to get out of the conversation. Do, do you think they, like, as you mentioned, like, they picked it up from just the repeated drilling of it? Or was that from potentially other coaches echoing the same shit you're echoing? I think that it, I kept it simple enough. Yeah. Like, it was always the same shit. And I think the thing was, is no matter how much they don't want to admit it, they had experiences that showed them that that was probably accurate. Yeah. And so, you know, like my, my, one of my biggest things, like my, one of the greatest things I have going right now is like, my daughter goes to school, right? And that, that sucks, man. Like getting old sucks. You see your kid leave. It sucks. You're happy for him. But like, it was that thing all the time. Like, oh shit, dad's going to say some dad thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. She gets to school and she calls me three times a day to check in and talk about volleyball, like just vent and talk about things and, you know, and so, you know, my role has changed a little bit with her, but now it's more of a, it's almost like I'm a life coach. Like, Hey, you know, like, yeah. remember we got to learn to navigate relationships. Like how do we communicate? So figure out each person's, each coach's hot button. Like, how do we talk to them? Like you need to get inside their circle so they understand who you are. So that's, yeah. you know, we've evolved a little bit to now it's like, this isn't going to just impact you in volleyball it's going to impact you in your first job it's going to impact you in relationships yeah and, uh, so yeah I, I would like to say i'm some kind of fucking savant but that's not the case man i'm just so dumb i'm stumbling onto something easy yeah i mean yes no right like i think like you're a sales guy right you're a salesman in in and that's what i think that's what life is um and I think successful salespeople know how to navigate relationships, right? And know when to push, when to pull back, when to be a dick, you know, when to counter, when to, you know, all these things, right? And it's the same in sports, right? You're always going to have, you're going to have some coaches that you can confide in, some that it's yes or no, sir, some teammates, very similar, right? And so I think it translates very well, and that's super crazy and cool to hear that like because I'm sure you went through it with your parents and I know I did with mine like growing up it was my dad was you know left right left this is how you do shit and then when I graduated and I said you know became a fucking man whatever you want to call it right you know it became more of advice and conversations and shit like that how hard was it to let her go Oh, it still sucks, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually sitting in her room because we've got a we've got a family in town for Easter, and she just left, went back to school, so she was here. And this is probably like the only reasonably quiet <laughs> room right now. Yeah, but yeah, it's depressing, man. I walk by and you're like, because then I realize like in two years from now the next one's leaving. Yeah, it's not that they're leaving. Like you want to see them go on and do great things. It's more, I mean, to be to be a pompous ass is more about how fucking old I'm getting. Sure. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, you know, you you lie to yourself. You look in the mirror every morning, like, damn, 
And then someone takes a picture of you and you're like, Hey, who's that old asshole? Yeah. I'm like, shit, that's me. Like for sure. Like, it's just, I think it's the reality of life is what makes it difficult. Not that I'm not excited for them, yeah. but it's like, man, I think shit, I'm, I'm going to be 50 in a few years. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's that, it's that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting path, but I, I'll tell, I love telling people like at some point, cause I always heard my dad and my father-in-law and people saying like, Hey man, the girls, you know, girls will disappear for a while, but when they get into college, they come back mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're a value again. And it's, it's so far been a hundred percent accurate. Now the middle one might leave and never talk to me again. I don't know. But. <laughs> <laughs> are, are there like different dynamic, were there, so I've got a son and a daughter. Um, yep. and there's obviously a little different dynamic there. Um, I, I don't know if some of it is due to one's a boy, one's a girl versus one's the first one's the second, but did you have different dynamics with your kids? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're interesting because, uh, Bryn is very much like her mom, um, you know, can segregate herself, not a big fan of crowds. He's not the most outgoing kid, like very dedicated, very dialed in. And then Taryn, like we kind of explain him like my wife does as like the different versions of Jay. <laughs> so, like Bryn is more like high school Jay, like very selective, focused, this and that. Taryn is the college Jay, like she's outgoing, very sociable, like athletic, like just vibrant. Like she's, she's, yeah. She's very kid. And then the youngest one is 40 year old Jay. She's probably not as athletic as she thinks she is. Uh, has a horrible mouth <laughs> and could talk her way out of anything. And so that's kind of the way my kid, like, and when I look at it that way, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It, and it is kind of that way. Did, um, did you have different relationships with them though? Like, were you harder on one? No, you know, it was the same on all of them. Um, you know, I think it's probably adjusting more for the youngest because the realization is for her, like I understand her life is going to be significantly different than the other two just because of social pressures. Like she's going to have an older sister that's at KU. She's probably going to have another sister that's playing power five volleyball. And then like, here she comes, no matter, you know, like that pressure, no matter how good you are, like you're constantly compared. And I think that's, that's the shitty thing of being probably the younger, one of the younger siblings. Yeah. You know, no matter how fantastic you are, it's, is it ever good enough type mentality? And that worries, worries the shit out of me. Yeah. That's my concern. But does, does she show any of that? Like the whole fuck this, I don't want to do that attitude. No, she's, she's, that's she's awesome. A, yeah. She's a good kid. And I think, you know, we're starting to see it now, like the whole, you know, maturing thing is coming into play where now it's like there's a little attitude on it and like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, I'm going to play here. I'm going to do this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, man. Like she, she'll concern me a little more because she thinks that it's just going to come. Sure. To her. Yeah. You know, where the other two have figured out they've got to work their asses off for it. Absolutely. So I'm going to have to figure out how to navigate that here real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would imagine. Right. Um, she thinks it's easy. Yeah. Or it, it could not that she does. It could be, you know, that's an easy thought to have creep in. Well, my sisters both did it. Why the fuck yeah. can't I, you know? Well, it's kind of like the, you know, the, uh, you know, stepbrothers, 
You know, he's going to go into the family business. Well, you're a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. She's thinking that nepotism thing is going to just work out. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it ain't that simple. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, What are some of, like, your favorite memories of my stupid class in that year two years when we were like around like i want to hear some of your stupid stories of us like where you're like jesus christ these fucking idiots or yeah you know you so it always involved my house for sure you know and uh there was so many and a lot of like a lot of my memories were not based on the crazy shit we were doing but the certain people who weren't doing crazy shit so, like, Salmo would get so fucked up that he would just sit in the corner with that goofy smile on his face. You know what I'm saying? With like, his hat turned backwards. <laughs> yep. And just not saying anything. <laughs> like, and you, I just remember seeing him and, like, what the fuck is this guy's deal, man? Like, <laughs> just zoning out. Or, you know, some people maybe getting a little more uh, dialed in on the uh, sticky icky than others. And, <laughs> you know, some of that shit. Like, I actually, for a while there, I was more concerned that I was going to turn you all into deviants for a while there. I was like, we got to fucking dial this back a little. (laughs) I mean, uh, look like we, we, I don't, I bet there were in a year, five nights we didn't drink. (laughs) Like we went fucking hard and, there were some times where I was like, man, like, are we going too hard? And then somebody would walk in with a case and it's like, fuck it. Like there's, we'll get sober tomorrow. Like we'll, we'll straighten up tomorrow. <laughs> I I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was shocked at how, how much use you guys got out of that idea of mine. Like that thing. Oh, <laughs> day one, day one, Jay, uh, Ted went to a gas station. Um, and bought eight. No, there was five of us. No, there were four of us. Eight of four, five of us. There were five of us. So he bought ten forties of old English. Oh yeah. And we just fucking pounded two of them in his stupid car, uh, his little like Chevy Cavalier. There's three of us in the back seat, you know, and it's like fucking Andy and me and Ryan in the back, you know, two guys who are six four <laughs> who could take up the back seat by themselves and then another human. And we're just pounding it as fast as we fucking can and then stumble back into the dorms. Night fucking one. Right. Like and then I remember getting like I got so I would use it too. And I got like drilled on it one time when I went in and bought shit and they're like, What's the address? And I I ripped it off. What's the birthday? I ripped it off. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, I have no idea if this is right. I looked at it twice <laughs> and they, they fucking worked. <laughs> it, so I, what the hell was the name of that place? It was over by Sanford or Sioux Valley at the time, but it was a drugstore right on the corner over there. And I went there so much and there was the same old ladies always working These two old ladies that, when I was like 19 until I was 21, I went in there on my 21st, like 20, just after my 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. And then someone new working there. And this guy IDs me. He's like, Hey, I need to see your ID. And the old lady came walking around. And goes, oh no, no, you don't need to ID Jay. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, he's been here. He's been a customer for years. And the guy's like, this fucker just turned 21. <laughs> and that poor old lady, 
like gave me this look. She's like, Jay, how could you? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> um, I'm a college student. That's what I'm supposed to do. Because <laughs> that was what I was doing, man. I was going to get old English in 40s and just ripping them. Or we'd get those fucking like Mickey hand grenades. <laughs> yeah. fucking drink those and then we'd be on the fourth floor and you could pop those screens out real easy and we'd just fucking throw them into the fucking <laughs> the common area of hockey <laughs> we had so like so many crazy stories when I lived in like what they later defined as the moon tower yes a flat spot on the roof and we used to go up there like I had a bunch of range balls I'd steal every summer from this golf range by my house and we'd get shit faced. I can't believe none of us fell off the roof, but we'd get shit faced <laughs> and drive golf balls into the campus from across the street, just ripping <laughs> balls, man. Like all times of the day. No, like didn't give a shit. Like that's hilarious. Like, How do we not kill somebody with this stupidity? So dumb. So dumb. <laughs> uh yeah. Did we watch I, I feel like I watched the Vikings lose in 98 at your house. Oh, yeah. Were you, um, a, were you a huge Vikings fan? Oh, yeah. When that yeah, went down? Yeah. And, like, Ross and Ryan are fucking big Broncos fans, and they're, like, rubbing it in our face. That was the first time I bet on a, on a sports bet on a game, and I lost. And I, <laughs> I, I didn't even have the money. <laughs> I think we probably threw a party so I could fucking pay my gambling debt that day. So dumb. <laughs> I mean, that's how I paid rent. You know, my parents were giving me any money. Like, Mm-mm. so we'd have parties and hope that the guy running the door didn't rob us blind. Like, we got enough money to pay rent every month. What a wild time. Like, charging people to enter your house. <laughs> but, and eggs were like 50 bucks. So cheap. Yeah. I mean, so we would do the, we would do the bush light in the ice house. Cause they were the two cheapest. We'd start with ice house. <laughs> there it is. We'd start with ice house and everyone would get so fucked up and then they'd start feeling like shit and then they wouldn't drink the bush light. So that was there for the rest of the night for the guys who wanted to hang out and drink all night. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember our first, uh, kegger when we moved into the moon tower, um, we, we, so we did it. The cops show up, Right, like the place is fucking packed. And I don't know, like apparently Augie had like told the police we want to crack down on like off campus drinking or some dumb shit. And we had like the fucking school at that corner house. Yeah. People in the fucking yard, the house is packed, and these cops, like, they kicked in the front door, <laughs> the fucking deck door, and the back door, and they stormed it. And I mean, it was like we were committing, you know, child rape in that in that house when they fucking stormed in They're like nobody fucking move this is you know blah blah you know ryan gets a minor jeff oakland gets a minor. they got charged with like supplying to fucking minors too but they were minors weren't they yeah we were minors <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure how that works <laughs> but we also got charged or they got charged with like distributing so ridiculous like they were super fucking worried and like Jeff's parents were like on the fucking board of Augie. Like, oh yeah. Oh man. That 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 kicked up a, a fucking storm to say the least. It was probably the best thing that happened to everyone else that Jeff was involved because For sure. They, 
I mean, if it would have been just a regular fucking Yahoo, like, that was the thing. Like, when I went through Augie, man, like, they had this whole, uh, you know, idea that they had their own little community. They didn't want anything to get out. They didn't yeah. want people to get arrested. They didn't want shit to get out because they wanted that to be, like, this little safe haven, like, good community. And what they did is created fucking monsters. Like, we did some of the most crazy shit there. And sure. never worried about consequences because we knew, like, they're going to – we get called into Tracy Riddle's office, and she'd be like, hey, we know what you guys did. We found your license plate rammed in the sand <laughs> 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 And you've got, you've got to do community service. And then we'd show up for community service shit-faced. Yep. And, like, I mean, it was just – it was a free-for-all. And, like, Tracy Riddle and Jim B's fucking hated me. And everyone I associated with, man. It was a whole gang of just shit show. And it's amazing that all of us made it through it. Right. Oh, for sure. Like, the amount of times we, as you mentioned, like, earlier, the amount of times we drove through the campus <laughs> at a, I don't know, a point three. Oh, <laughs> Right? Like, was insane. We, we probably drove around the campus less. Yeah, so <laughs> you know what I threw it. <laughs> yeah, it's a shortcut. Save you four seconds. <laughs> I, it was we had like we just did shit just to be assholes, like and not mean spirited, except for like campus security. Like one of our guys got in trouble. I think they towed someone's car, so we thought one night we were shit faced, and we lived in Grand Scott that year. That hey, we're gonna call and say someone's messing with the car so campus security shows up and then we're going to pelt these guys with snowballs mm-hmm. dude we lit these like two vans full of campus security guys up with snowballs they almost ran over one of the football guys with a van like they tried to hit him <laughs> was, but that was like like we walked that off like the next day it was like it wasn't even a big deal like we didn't think anything of it because that was just a weekly thing for us yeah. to be shitting well, they had those like two fucking Broncos. Uh, <laughs> the fucking security guards might have been like seventy-five, right? Like they were doing their best, you know, just to like control these eighteen to twenty-two-year-old fuckheads. And like there were times you could tell they're just like, God damn it, this shit again. Uh, <laughs> but you just you would constantly like come up with ways to fuck with them, uh, and I I feel like at some point when we were in grand scout when we were like sophomores uh one of the football players stole one of those broncos <laughs> and was driving it around the fucking grass <laughs> and then just like left it down by bird soccer <laughs> see now that is like we talked about that like uh andrew johnson i don't know was juice around when juice. He was? oh fuck yeah juice yeah. i remember juice yeah, so Juice was an RA, and actually, he was with us when we stuck the license plate in the freaking sand volleyball court. I mean, he was my brother's RA, and like, it was just like, but he was he came up with that idea. He's like, we should steal one of those campus security trucks, and it was a full on effort. Like, For we just sure. never got the opportunity. We tried. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, he just he he we had like created a diversion in between what was it it was grand scout and i forgot the other one um yeah stavig and like he had parked in the grand scout parking lot and one of them went over and just took it 
So dumb. So dumb. Uh, but also but, lucky. <laughs> but you think about, like, you know, I, I, I hope my kids have as much fun. You know, not quite as much fun, but I hope they enjoy their college experience. Yeah. As we did because, like, that's part of life. Like, you learn from doing stupid shit. And hopefully sure. in the while doing stupid shit, no one gets hurt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of opportunities for horrible shit to happen. For sure. For sure. But you're absolutely right. Like it was so weird that that campus felt so disconnected from the real world. You know, it's essentially like four square blocks, but it felt like, you know, nothing outside of it was ever going to impact you. No, (laughs) I mean, I, so the the funny thing is like the, like talk about like Selma that party at the whorehouse where he laced that guy with a that cop with a snowball. <laughs> so I was having this conversation like I'm telling stories in the OR with one of the surgeons that's a, like a couple years younger than me. He's a Sioux Falls guy. A bunch of buddies went to Augie, and he's like, I'm telling the story. We're just talking about Augie stuff because he used to come hang out at Augie. He was that yeah. great. He's like, dude, I was at that party. <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, that, that cop got, this cop got drilled in the chest with a snowball. And I'm like, yeah, that was one of our baseball guys. He's like, well, do you remember the guy in Grand Scow that was yelling and screaming and was like in these bikini underwear with roller skates? And I'm like, I do vaguely remember that. He goes, yeah, that was my buddy. And like the cops all ran after that guy. Cause he was like literally in these like whitey tighty bikini underwear in roller skates, like on the fire exit yelling at cops. And I'm like, Dude, it's like Augie. Also, like, just backing up, right? Like, the name of that house today, like, gets you expelled. It was, but it was accepted. Like, the entire campus knew that that house was the whorehouse. Well, the reason it started that way is because the uh, the guy who owns it uh, was a real estate agent in town. I still see that guy, by the way, and I laugh my ass off. Is it fucking Reed? Reed Johnson? Yes. So it was it was very it's weird that, like, those girls lived in one of his houses. We lived in the other one. And their sidewalks and driveway were always plowed. He mowed their lawn. Didn't do <laughs> shit for us, right? And then I found out, like, so this is, you know, before your time, like, the girls who were living there were, like, taking care of him. Like, okay. They were even paying rent. And that's where we're, like, fucking, like, horse. The whorehouse, and that—that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a, a whorehouse, a slut hut. Not saying any of them were, but there was uh, labeled houses on campus of that, and ours was the Moon Tower. Did, I, did you know, like my dad and I almost beat up Reed? <laughs> Have you heard this story? No, no. This is <laughs> so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we move in. Uh, we've been paying rent all summer. And we yep. we all show up. Ross, Ryan, myself, um, Andy, Oakland. And Mitch had been there for a, for a week. All Mitch's shit gets stolen. Uh, Messer. Uh, yep. Who, who I think it showed up after you. But all of our shit had, or he, all of his shit had got stolen. And we show up day one. And the house is a fucking disaster. I mean, not clean at all our parents are there like i think ross and ryan's parents left like they just drove down and like my mom and dad are in there and reed's in there with his girlfriend 
And Ross and Ryan and like all of us are like sitting in there like, what the fuck, Reed? Like this place is a joke. You've had all summer, you know, to clean it up and there's not even locks on the doors. Like, what are we doing? And he like starts yelling at Ross. And he's like, my girlfriend and I have been in here with fucking toothbrushes on our hands. And, you know, I mean, he's screaming at him. My dad was in another room in a recliner. (laughs) And you just hear, and my dad was, you know, 6'6", with a voice similar to mine. He he just, like, slams this fucking thing down. And I've, I've seen my dad yell a couple, like, truly get upset a couple times in his life. Slams this thing down. And it's like one of these, like, recliners from this fucking 70s so there's like five clicks click 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 click. (laughs) boom and he just starts stomping in and reed is fucking all of five eight yeah just this little fucking twerp hair greased back yeah and my dad just comes flying in hey dude and he's like shaking his fucking fist in his face. He's like, you don't fucking yell at like 19 year old kid, blah, blah, blah. He's like, if this house isn't fixed in 48 hours, I'm going to come back over here and whoop your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in the living room like, and I'm just like sitting here going shit. All right. You know, if this guy reacts in any way to my dad, like I am going to fucking stone cold this motherfucker into the next fucking year like i'm gonna put his jaw on the back of his goddamn head and end his life right like that was what was going through my head and like you could see instantly like if he had on like white pants i'm sure he would have fucking pissed them dude like he was like holy shit because my dad you know six six tower like and he my dad was never that guy who like used his size to fucking intimidate people but I mean, he was over him on per- like standing over him on purpose and looking down, like I will fucking eat your lunch. And like Reed just like walks out of the house. He's like, I'm out. And we left. We went for lunch, and he came back, and like you know, shit had gotten fixed, and he gave us credit on our rent. We were paying like a hundred dollars for rent for like the next six months because he didn't take care of it, <laughs> like. Dude, I think we were paying twelve hundred dollars a month combined in that mm-hmm. house. In yeah, the, before two thousand, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't going to be a cheap. I think like our rent eventually was like one hundred and fifty bucks a piece, but there were six of us in there or some shit. But again, he was like, oh, "I'll give you guys rent credit and blah blah blah." blah. I mean, it was hilarious, <laughs> dude. That guy. Uh, so I was living there and one of the football coaches, like literally a football coach, 30 years old, showed up one day and his car broke down in their driveway, Eric Garwood. And I still talk to Garwood. Like this is, this is my Augie thing. Like I still talk to all these people, mm-hmm. but he, uh, he showed up and he never fucking left, man. He moved in. He had like, <laughs> he had this Doberman, uh, Reichley. And like this whole fucking thing. So he moved in and Reed showed up one day and he's like, who fucks this guy? And he's like, Hey, I'm Eric Garwood. I'm going to move in. And it's like, okay, well rents do this is what, you know? So it goes like six months and this Garwood, he was a bad motherfucker. He played linebacker at all. <laughs> he, he was like long hair. Dude, like I could tell you two hours worth of stories about this guy alone. Fucking insane. But Reed showed up one day and he tried to play tough with uh, Garwood, and he's like, man, you owe me rent. If you don't pay, you're going to get your ass out of here. 
And Garwood looks at him. He's like, I tell you what's going to happen, Reed. You're going to get the fuck out of this house or I'm going to fuck you up. And you're never, you're, you're like, you're never going to come back in here. You're going to go away. Don't you ever fucking come back in here. I never saw Reed again. This guy never paid for shit. But, and like, yeah, the dude, this guy was so classic that Eric Severson was also from Montana. He stole the stickers off Eric's license plates, like the tabs, and stuck them on his own. Wow. <laughs> what a fucking shit bag. Oh, awesome God. guy. Like, he's just this fucking guy, dude. Like, he, like, I came home for Christmas, like, back to Christmas because my family would have Christmas. Oh, that here. guy did not read. Sorry. I thought Reed yeah, did yeah. it. No, yeah. So this guy. So, like, I come back, and this guy had just gotten his, he would hawk his guitar all the time for money. And he got his guitar out of fucking hawk. So I come back to my, back to the house, because I'm going to stay at the house, you know. My family's all back here celebrating Christmas. And I hear the guitar playing. And then, mind you, this dude's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And as I'm walking, I had to walk by. My room was, like, at the end of the hall upstairs, like, with the little fire escape thing out the back. Yep. As walking by his room, I look in. And the doors open, and Garwood's sitting there like crisscross applesauce, naked, with a guitar. And there's like five college girls sitting around him. And he had this deep. He had a voice like yours, like this deep voice. He was like, "Hey Jay, why don't you come on, come out in and grab a seat?" I'm like, "No, I'm good, Gar." <laughs> <laughs> this guy is lining up college girls. He's 30 years old. He's a grad assistant coach at Augie for football, and. Uh, like, this is the most, like, Augie thing I could ever imagine at that time. Like, yeah. that was Augie for me. Yeah. Right? You got a 30-year-old coach living <laughs> yeah. with a junior oh. in college. Just. He's 30 years old. But he taught us a bunch of fucking badass drinking games. We had a big oak table with our kegerator. Yeah. And so that kegerator moved over to the other house that you guys are familiar with, the two-story by the yep. laundromat. The square. But he, he, he would teach us all these drinking games, like, you know, one fat hen, couple of ducks, three running bear, four running hare, five fat female, six Sicilian seamen, soberly sailing, <laughs> like all this, like, so you, like these memorization games, we'd sit around with like college age girls and, and just get shit faced all the time. Sure. And it, you know, that, that house was like a magnet. Like we just had people every night. Like you said, I, I don't know that I was shit faced every night, but I made a run at it. <laughs> Well, at a certain point, you just, it just becomes your normal. Yeah. I mean, Ty Huber's dad, who, uh, a shorty, would stop, like, on a weekend. Would just, wouldn't even knock. Would just walk in and sit down and pour himself a beer out of the kegerator and be like, hey, what's going on, guys? Like, that was Fuck just yeah. our Augie experience, you know, and uh, obviously thankful for it. I, I got to meet a lot of great people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known your brother. Like, if I didn't know you, you know what I mean? Like, wild. all these weird life connections that have so made wild. my life better. It's so crazy. It's... Just don't tell your dickhead brother that. I don't want him to get a big head. Nah, don't worry. I'll knock him down. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what I'm for. Right? That's why I exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to help him, help him realize his place in the world. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit, Jay. This has been fucking fun, man. This has been fun. Hey, I've been waiting been waiting on it i'm like you know i'm listening to these things i know you got to get your dudes on that are you know your age and i'm like some point he's gonna have to come to the he's gonna have to come to the old guy well dude i mean so like i i don't know why i 
it was just kind of like random. I was like, you know what? I want to like run through like the guys who like shaped Augie for me. Right. And like, obviously like my class, I'm going to like, I've talked to most of them and I'm going to continue to talk to them, but like reached out to Omi, Sebi, Sebi's like, I'm not podcast worthy. I'm like, the fuck you're not bro. Like, <laughs> um, but, I think Seb's probably, you know, the problem with Seb and Omi in this scenario is they've got to be a little more protective of, you're going to get a more whitewashed. Oh, for sure. Because of just their profession and what they're doing. Yeah. And, and there's always know. that. I've always, yeah. you know, like there's always that, right? You're um, going to get the Brian Hunt version. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Whereas for me, you're probably going to get, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get what you get. Yeah, whatever, right? Um you know, you can't get canceled if you don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's some stories though, man. Yeah. Well, and I like, I want to get Wilbur on, right. I, I would love to talk to the new coach, right. Like at Augie yeah. and like get his perspective on how things have progressed. I, I need you get Huber, man. We can sure. get Huber on there for sure. Right. Um, so yeah, like I, I just, I'm super thankful that you were willing to come on. Right. Cause not everybody is. And I knew I wanted to have you on at a certain point. Um, and I honestly, thank you. Shout out Justin. Um, cause I, I told him, I was like, dude, I don't have fucking Jay's number. Um, <laughs> it's probably in your best interest. <laughs> um, but, so give it to me and let's make this shit happen. So I'm super thankful you, you did this, uh, and spared some time on Easter Sunday. Uh, Shout out to your family for giving you that hour and a half. Although maybe, they were happy, I'm leaving them alone. Man. I was going to say maybe it was an escape. <laughs> yeah, dude. But this is like this is what this is what it's about, right? Like for sure. You know, you play ball, and uh, you know, I played amateur ball on and off up until a couple of years ago. Like it's about the camaraderie, and like I love to sit down and talk about this shit all the time. And and this is kind of because it just reminiscing reminds me like how much fun all this stuff was like you know i listened to ross's and you know obviously i got one year with you guys and then i was around a little bit mm -hmm. but not um and so uh i was just uh thankful that i got an opportunity to be a part of that with you guys because i was a part of it for some other seniors when i came in as yeah. a freshman and so to continue that and then hear you know, I listened in and like, yeah, Kirsch's ID. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I provided a value and a service, man. That was all I wanted to do. It, it, dude, it was more than that. Right. Um, you, I think, as you mentioned, you showed us the way, right. And like how to create a fucking team and bonds and it has endured Fuck, I don't know how long we've been out of college. I'm not going to say the year, but uh, we'll, we'll say I'm four years. Years, right? Uh, it's been like four years since we graduated, right? <laughs> no, um, but it's endured, right? And like we all still keep in touch, and like as you mentioned, like in Sioux Falls, like you all still, you know, run into each other, share the war stories, and all that stuff. Like that's that's what it's about more than anything. You know, nobody gives a fuck that anybody shut out you know, Southwestern technical yeah. Eastern college of the fucking mountains, right? Like no one, no one fucking cares. It's all this other shit that like makes up so much of like the fucking experience of college slash life, 
you name it. Right. And, you know, so I hope like ultimately like my kids will listen to this when they're older and like realize like how fucking cool that shit is and like why it's important to like invest in those relationships with those people that you're surrounding yourself with. Cause those are choices you're making. Um, and if you choose not to, you're missing out on, in my opinion, <laughs> and I'm totally going to take this full circle. You're missing out on only the important stuff, right? Like that's the shit that fucking matters in life. Well, and here's the other thing, Hein, like you look at this too, and you're obviously younger than me, but you get into this, like getting older, life changes, man. Like there's, mm -hmm. you know, Matt Plumhoff no longer with us. Like my brother-in-law was at NBA, uh, at NDSU baseball player, no longer with us. So you start to realize, you know, like our parents and family mm -hmm. members, like parts of our brotherhood that are no longer here. And that's yeah. why these things are do is to talk about this stuff because it does go away at some point, man. Yeah. Like, kind of keep touching base and reminding yourself what this is all about. For so. sure. For sure. And, you know, I was talking to Mitch, like Mitch last week was like, dude, we have got to figure out. I know there's always like the fucking Augie weekend, you know, yeah. that the baseball team puts on, but we've got to figure out a time to just like send out to however many people we know and just be like, Hey, let's get together somewhere for a weekend and just golf, shoot the shit, do whatever. Cause as you said, like it could be the, you know, next year could be the last for somebody. Yeah. Unfortunately. So yeah, dude, uh, I fucking appreciate it more than, yeah. you know, and I know like all the guys in my class, are going to fucking love listening to this shit. So <laughs> they're going to probably be like, that fat fuck is still around. <laughs> like, God damn, look at Kirsch looks horrible, man. I, I can't, I got to just listen. Look at, he's got no hair. He's chubby. <laughs> shit. He's gray. <laughs> still a fucking legend, bro. Like, yeah, hey, it all happens to the best of us. We can't all have, you know, the deep, very white voice and the dark goatee, you know, going like anymore. It just doesn't work. Hey, legends <laughs> never die, Jay. Legends yeah. never die. My man. I appreciate it, Jeff. Man, this has been awesome. I, I, and thanks for the opportunity. Like, of course, I love to talk about the boys at any time. So. Absolutely. And we're I'm going to start doing some like I'm going to have a couple people on at once, right? So would love to get you on with some of the other guys and just again uh -huh. more war stories and fucking yeah. chopping it up, brother. <laughs> it sounds good, man. Well. Appreciate it again, and uh, anytime, man, anytime. Absolutely. Love you, Jay. Uh, everybody listening, like, share, subscribe to fucking whatever. Um, yeah, and until next time, be good, everybody.